well, once we hit 30 minutes, I shut mm. it down because that's my rule, mm-hmm. right? I want people to like me. So <laughs> that's that. First of all, that's. Welcome back. I don't even... I don't hey, even, welcome to the Rethink I, Podcast. Oh, there it is. What we were waiting for. All your hopes and dreams will be dashed. <laughs> what episode is this? Uh, we missed one last week, so mm. I have no clue. It threw me off. I don't know. The text was just that uncomfortable. People were asking us where where the podcast was. Yeah, I was actually very excited to do a podcast. I want to put this on record. I went to Stefan... And I said, I'm ready to do a podcast. And then it got vetoed. So, About the boss? It got shot down. Hmm. I was ready to go. Kind of like that balloon in the sky. <laughs> just... Or the three UFOs. Hey, that's so, real, man. Yeah. That's in the... That's real. But, yeah. So, we're in Leviticus. Actually, last week... Can I just, like, recap? Sure, go. Because this is, this is so amazing. Chapter 14, about the like reinstatement into the community was a really powerful illustration of how God leaves heaven, sends his son, Jesus, to be our high priest, goes out and brings us back into the community of God and restores us, that he's the sacrifice, he's the one who cleanses us. And it's an amazing picture whenever you understand all the layers and depths of that chapter. Because if you were outside the community, it was a death sentence. Mm -hmm. But yet the priest is the one who brings you back in in that community when God does the work in your life. So That's Ephesians right there, Easy right? parallel to what Jesus does. Leaves heaven, comes to earth, brings us back into the community of God. He is the lamb that is sacrificed, that restores us not only to God, but to the community and reinstates our purpose into the community as well. So it was very exciting to me. I shared very passionately in Clay County about it spirit in 30 minutes or less well once we hit 30 minutes i shut Mm -hmm. it down because that's my rule Mm -hmm. right i want people to like me so (laughs) that's that first of all that's weird in itself i wanted them to come back oh okay so if you can't be good you yeah if you can't be good be sure yourself right yeah that is true that's one of the four g's of the gospels so um (laughs) yeah you know you want people to come back and you can't hit them you can't turn the fire hose on them for 30 minutes every single week and expect them to live. Mm. So it's about, you know, really helping them stand firm, but also be able to stand up and come back. Mm-hmm. So that's where we were at last week. But that transitions perfectly because of the lamb that sacrificed reinstates to the community, to God, and purpose into the Day of Atonement. Mm-hmm. And that's where we're at this week. <clears throat> right. I'm really excited about this one, too. So, I'm not even preaching. You're not? No. But you will right now. <laughs> I'm not. I'm going to let you lead this one. Well, I was going to, I was saying, like, actually, to start, I think you have to go back to where you began this series when you were explaining the chiasm. Mm-hmm. You want to explain that again? People? Yeah. Well, I like to say chiasm oh, because it's, it's the like right way. The, it's the key. Oh. to the story or the picture. It just helps you re- be reminded of that a little easier. But anyway, it's pointing to the main focus of what's going on. And ultimately, Leviticus is about holiness. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a holy God, and we have an unholy people, and there's got to be a process or a procedure that brings that together so God dwells with his people, and his people can dwell in God's presence. 
and the first seven chapters of Leviticus is all about the sacrifices. And it points to this idea of fellowship being right with God in his holy community. But the only way that's accomplished is through the burnt offering for sin and the sin or the purification offering that makes us right or clean because that's the clean, unclean sacrifice and the atoning thing that makes us righteous or unrighteous. So we are cleansed and we are made clean and we are made right, justified before God through the burnt offering specifically one time a year on the Day of Atonement. Yeah. What's what's interesting to me about, you know, the chiasm here, this yeah. idea, is that that for me I like to think of it like the tip of a spear. Like mm-hmm. it it is pointing everything to what's most important. And yep. that's chapter sixteen. Yep. And so when we get to chapter sixteen, we've seen, as you've mentioned, like first fifteen chapters, there is this sacrificial system in chapters seventeen and twenty seven. This is the God's holy and perfect, and therefore he demands holy and perfect lives from his people, which Mm -hmm. is a problem, which is why he set up the Day of Atonement in the first place, a day to deal with the sins of his people. And so at this point in Israel's history, there is, by my count, our Jewish friend is probably going to tell me I'm wrong, um, but there there are six um, holidays on the Jewish calendar Mm -hmm. at this point. Um, and the Day of Atonement being the most important of them all, right? Is it? That's rain. That's me. That's God telling me I'm wrong. What? Can you name the six? <clears throat> I cannot. Uh, oh. I just I just read through them a couple days Passover? ago. Passover, Passover, Pentecost, and Day of Atonement are the. Oh, and uh, well, the, festivals. Festivals. Yeah. Festival of the Tabernacles. Um. I just know it's highlighted in Lagos. So. Yeah. Pretty much. I'm trying uh, to think of the other one. Okay. But, I mean, I, I don't know. I would say Passover and Atonement are both... Equally as important? I, I don't know. I would kind of make maybe that make that argument. Because, like, Passover is what started the year. Mm-hmm. You know, that's mm-hmm. what marked the... Oh, did we say Pentecost? Yeah. You did. Okay, yeah. sorry. Like, Passover is what started their year for them and what, you know, remembers the exodus from, you know, from slavery. But then the Day of Atonement, yeah, is... Probably slightly more, like you said, mm-hmm. than Passover, but they're Yom both very, Kippur. very important. Yeah, this commentary said it was the most important day of the year for the Jewish people. And then it went into some details about like the things that God required on this day. So they they were talking about how for the Jewish person they fast on this day mm-hmm. and they also don't work on this day, which we we kinda of talked about a little bit ago. But they were also required to basically stay in their tent and basically sit and pray and fast. Um, and so I, I kind of thought about this through um, the lens of my weekend last weekend. Last weekend I was at a wedding and I wasn't officiating the wedding. I was sitting in the crowd and uh, the preacher who was my, my dad just kept going and going and going. That's a good preacher right, right. there. And uh, he... he Pushed over the thirty-minute mark, and is that uh, where you get it from? I get, I think so. And uh, so I'm sitting there, and my my son's on my lap, and uh, the goldfish bag just starts getting like lighter and lighter, and I'm mm-hmm. like, we'd better hurry up because when we run out of snacks, this party's over, you know. And I was just thinking about it from the perspective of of a parent. They're in their tent with their whole family, and they're supposed to fast and pray, and it would not take long. For my kids to be like, hey, so where's the food? 
And then I was thinking about how, as a parent, I get the opportunity to use this as a moment to teach my kids we're sinners. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't it doesn't take long for the entire family unit to figure out very quickly we we are, we are sinners fallen short of God's glory and because of that something needs to die. Mm-hmm. And so it was a it was aware they were aware all of them about what the cost of sin was going to cost the nation, right? That it had to be paid for. Um and so while they're in their tents Aaron, as the high priest, is uh, preparing for this day seven days before uh, the Day of Atonement. He is Which also goes into their ordination piece because right. yeah. they had to stay there at the. Did you tent. talk about that in your? Um, I can't remember. I'm, yeah, I, I did. I, I did. You did. Yeah, yeah. And that's the. I mean, that's the thing is like so he's set apart, right? He's that's what he's symbolizing here. He's not. He's living close to the tabernacle. He's not talking to people. He's not interacting with people. He's not touching other people. He's beginning the process of all of these ceremonial baths. He's putting on the linens that are mentioned in chapter 16. And he's practicing going through the rituals that he will go through on the Day of Atonement. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's a thing I think that's really important, too, is like he's he's practicing. He's not performing. Mm-hmm. Like he, This isn't a performance before God. This is something different. It's it's symbolizing the the death of something to pay for sin. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think it's interesting how he begins chapter sixteen because it says the Lord comes to Moses and he reminds him of Aaron's sons who mm-hmm. had come before God <laughs> in chapter ten in the wrong way. Yeah, and I mean the incense box blows up essentially and they they die, and because of that God sets up this pattern for how. The high priest is only to enter into God's presence one time a year, mm-hmm. and so you read chapter sixteen. And if you're not careful, you can do what we do all through Leviticus. It can make it feel like it's confusing. It's not really confusing, right? Right. So you have Aaron, the high priest, two million-ish Israelites at this point in their tents, and he begins the process with a bull, with a ram. And two goats. He starts with the bull, and I I used some pictures of the tabernacle and explained what was happening on that day. And so he would grab the bull, he would slit its throat, he would take the blood and catch it in a basin, and he would walk over to right outside of the tent at the at the altar, and there he would make a sweet aroma offering uh, to the Lord. He would then go into the tabernacle, and there there was the table of bread, um, there was the the uh, altar of incense, and there was something else, the lampstands. Mm-hmm. And he would set that bowl down, he would walk over to the table of incense, he would take coals and incense and put them in a, bo- in a bowl, and he would stick his hand through the veil, and he would fill that room up with smoke, right? And then he would walk back over and grab the bowl of blood from the bowl and he would walk in and he would take the blood and he would put it on the mercy seat. Now, when we think, when we think, um, Ark of the Covenant, we think like the whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. But it's, it's not. The Ark of the Covenant is just the actual, um, bottom piece. Right. Inside of that is the Ten Commandments. The mercy seat is what's on top. He takes that blood, he puts it on the mercy seat, wipes it on there seven times, seven again also super important. And then he essentially repeats the process with 
the goat. There's the whole scapegoat thing, right? Like one of them is sent into the wilderness. Um, all of the sins are symbolically transferred onto that goat. Some scholars say that goat's killed. What's your thoughts on that? Mm, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't say that in the text, so I don't like to conclude that. Right. I was reading different opinions on it. I think you're exactly right. Like we can only teach what the text is teaching us, and that's where it leaves it. Mm -hmm. Like it, it's just sent into the wilderness. Um, I could keep going, but so one of the thoughts? things that I think is interesting in this process of the Day of Atonement is you were talking about Aaron getting like prepared to go in, mm -hmm. and there's a sin offering that he has to do for himself right. to begin this whole process. Then there's a sin offering that's done on behalf of the people. The goat. Well, no, not even then. It's just the clean, unclean oh, yeah, process yeah, yeah. of getting basically like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna make sure we're able to enter into God's presence. Then you have the scapegoat in there where there's this physical presentation of the pressing, you know, it talks about like they would physically press down on the head of the the goat symbolizing this transfer sin because Aaron would, right? yeah and it's it's a picture for the people that all the sacrifices and defazio points this out is a lot of the sacrifices that are being done and the the burnt offering that's going to be done at the end at the end here for making you right with god is all done inside the veil and so the goat is actually this physical representation of what it looks like for your sin to be cast out of the camp and sent out mm -hmm. as far as possible. And once again, if you go back and you've been tracing this, sent out of camp is a death sentence. It's also a death sentence to death and sin. Mm -hmm. So it's saying we're sending this out of camp and it is no more. It does not exist and God will deal with it. Mm -hmm. And that's how it, so it's this whole picture. And the whole smoke thing, I think, is really interesting, too, because the Holy Holies, you go all the way back to, like, Moses, whenever he says, you know, let me see you and all this stuff. And God's like, no, you can see my back, all this stuff. The smoke is this barrier yeah. for God's presence because he is ultimately holy in a sense that we can't even see without dying. And so the smoke enables, you know, Aaron to even enter into the presence. But there's still this buffer. And I think that's something to be seen later on because Jesus comes and he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, mm -hmm. which is a huge deal in the sense because they're thinking like, how is this possible? And he's painting a picture for us even then into Revelation about when he opens the scrolls and like all things are set right, that there's going to be a day where there won't be incense or smoke in the barrier yeah. It'll be fully in his presence and wholly righteous, fully atoned for mm -hmm. sin and made clean in his presence. And I think that's a really cool picture that Jesus plays on in the New Testament, but then a promise that we have that even right now, there's a, there's a veil in a sense, mm -hmm. though we can enter into God's presence fully because of the spirit. We don't see him in the sense of like physically see him but one day we will live fully in his presence well, i think the, that's really cool the thing with like leviticus is like it's all about god trying to make a way for him to be in a relationship with his people and so while this system if you will all of the 
things that went on the, during the Day of Atonement, while all of those things are good, they weren't great. And what I mean by that is like the main problem was at the very beginning when you, you said it, Aaron had to make a sacrifice for himself mm -hmm. and for his family, communicating that the holiest dude <laughs> among them yeah. is still a sinner. Yep. And so that's that's the problem is the fact that 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 their their sin and they had to be dealt with and you know you go to Hebrews chapter ten and what you find out is that that our high priest Jesus has no sin. Right. And so, you know, Aaron is only allowed to go in the Holy of Holies one day a year. Well, Hebrews seven says that because the grave could not hold the perfect lamb because mm -hmm. he had not sinned, right, he is always interceding for us verse 7 or chapter 7 verse 25 it's like he literally first peter says he takes us before god yep like because he is perfect and the perfect high priest we we are able to attach to his righteousness because we're not righteous mm -hmm. like that's the good news here yeah so hebrews 7 8 9 and 10, 10 the theme is better Right. So we have a better high priest, we have a better tabernacle, and we have a better well, sacrifice. The thing the thing is is like Jesus is the ark of the covenant. That's, he is the tabernacle. He he is all the fulfillment. Yep. Like he is all these things that they put in place. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why Paul says over and over again in the New Testament like you can do all those religious things, but they're not going to save you. Right. You know. Um it comes through attaching yourself to Christ through repentance. Mhm. Mm once you do that, um, so there's a, uh, I don't want to, you know, rehash mine from last week, but there's a, um, there's a process of being brought back in, right? Mm -hmm. So when Jesus says to his disciples, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, he, he's actually doing possibly two different things there. He's calling them into a new identity and purpose, but to be restored in Leviticus, you had to follow the priest back hmm. in. And it's a declaration that he's ushering you back in to the community and back into God's presence. And so whenever we're talking about this, Jesus is better. He's, he's called us to follow him. And that's the call we make as disciples is we follow him. So it's this idea of attaching ourselves mm -hmm. to him in every way possible, not just in... Like, yes, I believe what he says. But that to we, actually follow him. But to actually follow hmm. him back into the presence of God in every sense. Yeah. <clears throat> I was just thinking about First Peter 3.18. It says that, uh, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. Mm -hmm. And so we're, we're the unrighteous right there <laughs> to, bring, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body but made alive in the spirit. There's so much going on here. So, like, every single year, these people had to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. Because what they did after the Day of Atonement was they kept on sinning. Mm -hmm. And so, like, every single year, they're constantly be remi being reminded of their shame and their guilt and their their sin. But it's but they're being made aware of the fact that they, they can't be right. Mm -hmm. It's almost like it's it's leaving you with the sense of... Although it is making atonement, it's almost like it's not completely 
fulfilled right. is not completely lasting. And so it leaves you longing for something more, something better, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which obviously what we've already talked about is Jesus, yep. you know? Yeah. Well, and the whole, like, you know, he says that once one, he died once for sin. So there was no need for Hebrews 10 talks about, um, the fact that he doesn't need to die over and over and over again, mm-hmm. you know, like he, he died one time and that was enough. So I don't know where I was going with that, but yeah, I don't know either, but it's interesting to me, even in Judaism, because the sacrificial system hasn't been in place since AD 70 destruction of the temple. And so like, they've not been able to do mm-hmm. fulfill these laws. I think that's an interesting like dichotomy of just, they've made their own way now, even of how to accomplish this righteousness. And it's, they've become people of the book. So by studying God's word, but then also being benevolent in their actions, they've quote unquote accomplished these sacrifices. And I think that's, I think that's pretty typical of humans in general is like, we try to find the workaround to make whatever we have available, like the best. And I think that even points us to the fact that Jesus is so much more important. Mm -hmm. You know, like we can't do it on our own. We can't give enough. We can't study enough. Jesus is the only one that gives peace, assurance, hope, you know, and promise. So anyway, yeah, that's my day of atonement speech. I don't know if you guys have been following. I've been really struck by this, this Asbury University Mm -hmm. thing. Whenever this is being played, I don't know if it'll still be going on, but essentially the story that's coming out about it is that on last last Wednesday, so that would be what date was last Wednesday? The ninth. The eighth. Eighth. Yeah. The eighth. Um, since the eighth, that there have been this this revival happening twenty four hours a day, um, and you and I were talking about it, and it's just it's not stopped, right? It's just continued to go. And I was talking to a, a friend of mine uh, about this last night, and. He was asking the question, okay, is this just a bunch of college kids that, like, want to skip school? <laughs> like, like, hey, let's just stay in chapel forever. Um, said no one. Said no one, <laughs> If you've yeah. ever been to a college chapel service. Christian college chapel service. Yeah. Um, and so we were talking about, like, how do you know that this is genuine and real? And you and I were talking about how one of the very first evidences of it being real is the fact that there is repentance that's mm-hmm. happening. That there are, there are people who are realizing that they're sinners, fallen short of God's glory, and they're they're remembering Romans six, right? For the wages of sin is death. Something had to die, and we know that that's Jesus. Mm-hmm. And because of that, we we can come to Him and again attach ourselves to His righteousness, right? We're not; He is. He lived a life we couldn't live, and so. I think that that's that's part of the the picture here is like they they were coming up with this system to pay for their sin and while it was good it wasn't great mm-hmm. it was the anticipation of the one who could pay the price yep and so I do want to clarify that they didn't come up with this system, right right but right God that's gave right. God gave it to they're them. participating in it yeah 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 God seems to be a very big fan of hands on learning like you know not <laughs> yeah. just not just telling them, you know, what to do, but actually like involving us, his creation in his will, in his mm-hmm. plans. And so, you know, 
as we involve and participate, then we learn what it looks like to, to follow him, to live him, and hopefully, you know, see who he is as a as the one true God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The learning, the hands-on learning, I think, is super key. Like you said, like it's, he's involving you in it, and you're getting to figure out who he is through it. So, anything else? That's all I got to say about that. Okay. You got anything else, Levi? No, I'm good. That's a Andrew he's... stole everything. He just... <laughs> Just, I had one thing I wanted to say. What was just, it? Go ahead. No, no. Oh, he already said it? Yeah. It was the smoke. Mm. I made a connection while you were telling, explaining that, and I was like, yes, that's awesome. And then Andrew just went right into just it. Just took it over. Sorry. But it's fine. He said it better than I could. So. I don't know about that. Mm, you should have just interrupted him. You should have. But, hey, that's the most you've talked on the podcast. So congratulations. You got like more than 144 characters. In it. Yes. I heard we can go 4,000 characters now on Twitter. So thank you, Elon. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, join us next week when uh, the boss is back. And we, we might be back. We might not be. We'll see. <laughs> see ya.